in Sunday school. Let's try that again. It is good to be in Sunday school. Ah, I knew you felt that way. I did. Deep down in your heart, we are glad to be here. And uh, it, it is just, I, I was so shocked when I walked in. And there is Brother Snow and his wife, who've obviously left their church, and now they're coming here. And I know they're going to be a blessing to you folks over the... <laughs> no, they, no, no, that's not true, right? Amen. They're just visiting today, and it is, it's just so good to be with you and see everyone. And many of you, I know, were out last night at the orchard over yeah at the, at the festival thing and and that was a lot of fun and uh, that's always uh, that's always exciting and and for some reason it knows just when to get cold doesn't it i mean just a week ago everything would have been just toasty warm and then boom there we go but that's the way it is in the fall amen and that's just this is still the good part don't, don't be griping yet i mean it's too early, <laughs> it's too early to start complaining now cuz it's going to get worse. Amen. Take your Bible, if you would, and turn to 1 Timothy chapter number 2. 1 Timothy chapter number 2. This is Sunday school, and they tell me in Sunday school you're supposed to learn something. Is that right, Brother Jacobs? You're supposed to learn something in Sunday school. And so in Sunday school this morning, I want to give you some things that I, I trust maybe you have not looked at quite this way. And they will be a help and a blessing to you because it is an important subject. If you found 1 Timothy chapter 2, if you're able to stand easily, would you stand with me as we read the word of God? It says, I exhort therefore that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Where, whereunto I am ordained a preacher and an apostle, I speak the truth in Christ and lie not, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and verity. I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for a beautiful new day that you've given to us. And Lord, thank you for an opportunity to be in your house and sit down with your word and open it up and allow your Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts. God, we pray that that's exactly what will happen today. And we'll thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I, wanna, I want to, uh, I was going to say preach to you this morning, but this is Sunday school and you're not supposed to preach in Sunday school. So I would, uh, I would like to teach to you this morning on this subject, prayer, privilege and responsibility. We, we focus a lot on the, on the privilege aspect of it and rightfully so because it's a wonderful thing to be able to just march into the presence of God anytime you want and, and talk to him about anything you want. But it's more than just a privilege. It's also something God says, now I want you to do this. So it's not just a privilege, but it's also our responsibility. So with that in mind, I want you to look here at verse number one, and we see the exhortation to pray. 
It starts right off there. I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. So here's the exhortation to pray. And God, as, as he's inspiring the Apostle Paul to write down the words, says, I want you to do this. And I want it to include all of these things, supplications and prayers and intercessions. Now, all of those have their own specific meanings, but they're all wrapped up in the idea of prayer, a supplication. I went to the I went to the old green 1828 dictionary back when they knew how to speak English better to see to see what some specific differences would be in those particular phrases. And a supplication is an entreaty, a petition or an earnest request. When you come to God, you can bring him important things. You can bring him earnest requests, things that are serious, things that are severe, supplications, prayers. Now, prayer, the word itself, we think when we talk about pray, we, we mean talking to God, right? But the word itself doesn't really mean that. It just means requesting something. And if you look back, if you read, you know, old English material and, and formal language, you'll see, I pray thee this and I pray thee that. In the colonial period of the United States, that language was very prevalent. It simply meant to ask, uh, to, to make a request. And so that's exactly what it is. Asking for something with earnestness. Now, here's what, here's what Webster said about prayer in particular. Now, this came out of the dictionary. I would dare say you would not find it in a dictionary that was published in 2022 or 2020 or 2000 or anywhere close to it. Here's what he said. In worship, a solemn address to the supreme being consisting of adoration or an expression of our sense of God's glorious perfections, confession of our sins, supplication for mercy and forgiveness, intercession for blessings on others, and thanksgiving or an expression of gratitude to God for his mercies and benefits. I came out of the dictionary. Amen? That sounds more like a sermon outline, doesn't it, than, than a dictionary entry? Listen, those, those folks back there had at least a concept of God and the Word of God and understood terms like we don't understand terms today. Then there's intercessions involved in this, and that simply is praying or soliciting in favor of someone else. So you go to God and you have your earnest requests and you have your, your requests for favor, but you also request for others. You're interceding for someone else. Uh, when we just went through the, the medical issue with Liz and, and the diagnosis and the surgery and all those kind of things, there were, there were people constantly texting and, and messaging and saying, we are praying for you. You know what they were doing? Intercession. They were, they were going to God and saying, God, please, please do something for her. Please heal her. Please take care of the problem. And good news, you know, she's, she's good. All is well. All is well, and the surgery was successful. She's recovered from the surgery. The, the doctor said on Thursday he never wants to see her again. So when your, when your oncologist says, I never want to see you again, that's a good thing. Amen? So praise God for that. He said, well, that's just, that's just the way it is. Well, I'm going to chalk that up to intercession. Amen? Because people prayed, and we prayed, and, and God pays attention. 
That's not just saying that. That's not just, you know, people say, well, our wishes are with you. Well, I don't care about your wishes. Your wishes mean nothing. But if you're asking God to intercede on my behalf, thank you very much. You can wish all you want, but if you're going to ask God to do something for me, well, I truly appreciate that because that means something. And that's what he's talking about here as well. We see the exhortation to pray. So he just lays it all out right there. And then we see the exhortation of prayer. Look at the last phrase in verse number one, for all men. And then verse two, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. So now he gave us the exhortation to pray. He said, I want you to do it. And now here are the specifics of what I want you to pray for and about. First of all, I want you to pray for all men. This shows us again that God's love is different than ours. We can, we can comprehend the idea of praying for people that we care about people that we like, people that we're interested in. But in the, in the umbrella phrase of all men is included people we don't like, people we don't care about. And don't pretend there aren't people you don't like and don't care about. There, there are. I mean, even if you don't know them personally, there are people you don't like and you don't care about because you hear about them on the news and you hear about how they celebrate every time something bad happens to America and, you know, they kill Christians and they do. And you think to yourselves, I don't like those people. And rightfully so. I'm with you. But God loves those people. And he said, I want you to pray for all men, not just the ones you prefer, but you pray for all men, because would it not be ideal if God were to begin working in their lives? I mean, how does all that kind of thing get fixed? Well, when they turn to God, that's how that stuff gets fixed. And so we pray for all men, but then it even gets harder. <laughs> it gets worse. For, for kings, now thank God we don't have a king. That was settled a long time ago, amen? We, we had the whole Revolutionary War, and what that did is it allowed us not to care anything about the royal family in England. Let them eat their crumpets and whatever and ride their horses and rob the people. Do whatever they want to do. We don't have to care. It's irrelevant to us. They can do whatever they want. You know, if they get tired of that and they want to live over here like animals, God bless them. But we don't care. Amen. You're just nobody. Amen. We don't have to worry about that. So we don't have a king. Praise the Lord for that. Instead, we have a different governmental structure. So we, we have... We have sort of a president. That's what we have. And, and, uh, and, and it's, not a, it's not a misinterpretation of Scripture to say that qualifies. Amen? Because that individual would be the head of our governmental structure. It hurts even to say some things out loud. It, just, it hurts to say that. But, but it's true. It's true. The head of our governmental structure. And so God says... You got to pray for those people. I mean, he lists them in particular. All men, yes. But I also want you to make sure you pray for the ones who are in the head of the government. You say, but hold it now. I can't do that. How can I do that? Well, he didn't say how you had to pray. 
We immediately think, if I'm going to pray for this political leader, that means I'm going to pray that God blesses them and helps them to do what they're doing. No, 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 no. You can pray for them, and there are a lot of wonderful things you can pray for them without asking God to bless what they're doing. Because if what they're doing doesn't line up with the Word of God, you have no business asking God to bless that. And He's not going to bless that. And you shouldn't pray that way. But there are lots of things you should pray about. Wouldn't it be something if our president, in a moment of clarity, were to hear the gospel and get saved? Well, he's a lost man who doesn't know God at all, claims to be a Catholic and doesn't even understand that. I mean, he just, he's completely devoid of any kind of, of spiritual knowledge whatsoever. And his most desperate need in this world is to get saved. That's what he needs. He needs to get saved. Listen, you can pray that he would get saved. Pray that God would send somebody into his sphere of influence that is a genuine born-again Christian who can give him the gospel and let him know there is a means of salvation. That Listen, I'm not trying to be ugly and I'm not trying to be funny. He is not going to be around too terribly long. If you've ever dealt with anybody with what he's got, This, this does not end well. And there comes a point where he doesn't know who he is and where he is and what's going on. And he needs somebody to give him the gospel before he gets down that road that far. And we ought to be praying that it would happen. That God would just send somebody across his path. Maybe some aide who works in the White House. Maybe some secret service guy or some marine guard or whatever it is. Somebody who genuinely knows the Lord and could have an opportunity to say, Mr. President, let me tell you something really important. I mean, that's what he needs, is it not? That's what he, and we should be praying for that. For his salvation, we should be praying that God would give him wisdom, godly wisdom, to make godly decisions. So I don't know if God can do that. God can do that. Just, just read your Old Testament. See how, how God intervened in, in even evil, evil, vile, wicked kings and they would occasionally, out of the blue, make these wonderful decisions that would be a blessing to the people of God. How did that happen? God did that. Well, if God could do that with them, he could do that with our leaders as well. Listen, just within the last year, our Supreme Court has accidentally made some good decisions. I don't know how that happened. I would not have ever betted on it in my entire life. But wow, what a blessing. Isn't that exciting? How did that happen? Oh, it's just a freak accident. No, I suspect that people have been praying for a long, long time that God would take care of a few things and, and, and God gave us a wonderful blessing, especially with the overturning of Roe versus Wade. I mean, is that not something that we have prayed for for decades? Well, then let's not discount the fact that God answered prayer. Amen. He did it. You, you pray for, for salvation, for wisdom, for health. Our president's not a well man. He's, he's really not. And, and we need to pray that, that he can make it through his term. So, oh, but it'll get worse. <clears throat> if he doesn't make it through his term, <laughs> it'll get way worse in a big hurry. So I would pray for health. Amen. Pray for, pray for willingness to follow God. Because there will be some people who will give some right counsel somewhere. 
And he's got to be willing to follow that and do that. Pray that anything that our, our president, vice president, Congress, any of them do that points our nation away from God would fail. Amen. There's nothing wrong with that. Pray that God would circumvent any kind of wicked uh, law or uh, executive order or court that God would just and he can do that. The Bible tells us the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord and he can do that. And we should be asking that he does. Amen. He said, pray for kings and for all who are in authority. So your your leader and those who are in legislative bodies, I mean, right on down to the governor, to the mayor, to the school board, to whoever it is, we should be praying for all of those people that they, the very same things, they'd be willing to follow God, that they'd be wise in a spiritual sense, that they'd get saved. If that would happen, it would transform our nation. Don't, don't just pray that somebody gets elected and somebody doesn't. Pray for those who did. Amen. Because that's what we have now. So that's what we need to pray for, that God would transform them. And then that whoever should take their place could be transformed by God as well. So we have to pray for kings and for those who are in authority. But then it moves on and talks about the exhortation now from the Savior. It tells us why that's important. Look again in verse 2. For kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Why is it important that we pray for those who are in leadership? So that we can live a quiet and peaceable life. So wasn't that a little bit selfish? Not really. I mean, there is an element of, yeah, I don't want persecution and trouble. And I don't want a government that's standing against Christianity and, and giving grief to churches. I don't want that. It makes life hard. It's difficult. But there is a higher purpose than that. Did you notice here in verse number four what comes next after verse three where he says, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. Why is it important to God... And it is, because it's right there, that we should live a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness. Well, because God wants all men to be saved and to come under the knowledge of the truth. You know what we get to do because we live in, in a peaceable and quiet life? We get to focus on spreading the gospel instead of surviving. There, there are Christians, I promise you, in Ukraine today who are not focused on how they're going to get the gospel out this weekend. They're focused on living through this week and finding some place where they won't get bombed next week when they meet, and they're surviving. We don't have to do that. So we can send missionaries all over the world. And we can, we can go out and preach the gospel and we can hand out tracts and we can invite people to church and we can tell people about Jesus in a million different ways. Why? Well, because we have been blessed to live a quiet and peaceable life. So we don't have to worry about all that other stuff. There are Christians around the world today who if they get caught doing what we're doing right now, they'll be hauled out in the street and slaughtered. And then they'll throw a party because they've killed some infidels. Those people are not getting the gospel around the world. You know who's, who's getting the gospel around the world? People who live in places like this who are leading a quiet and peaceable life, who can now devote a huge chunk of their resources to sending the gospel everywhere. 
And that's exactly what he's talking about right here. So you need to pray for those who are in authority so that you can live a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness because God wants everybody to hear the gospel. He wants everybody to be saved. And that means you have to have the opportunity and the time and the resources to do it. And so you need to live a quiet and peaceable life, not just so you can amass stuff. Not just so you can sit back and, and be the happy Christian sitting in America who has everything and, and doesn't care about anybody. No. So you can take that and see that the gospel goes out. That's the whole plan. That's the whole idea. The exhortation from the Savior is to take your quiet, peaceable life now that you've prayed for and God has given you and go out and do something with it. And then we see the exhortation about the Savior. Verse 5. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. There is one God. Now, there are those who would accuse us of having more than one God because we believe in the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. But there's still only one God. So, well, how do you explain that? I can't. Not, not effectively. You know, I can't explain it in such a way that, that it doesn't have holes in it and the, and the examples fall apart somewhere. But I know it's true because that's what God said. Amen. I know it's true. And so I believe him. And I suspect when we get to heaven and we see God face to face, we'll have an understanding somehow of how all that works. But until then, our job is to believe what God said. Amen. So there's one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. That is a wonderful, wonderful truth that you need to know and understand that the mediator between God and men is Jesus Christ. Not a priest, not a rabbi, not a bishop, not a pope, not a, no, 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 just Jesus Christ. And that means any born again child of God can go directly through the Lord Jesus Christ and be in the presence of God the Father. I don't need another intermediary. I don't need another mediator. I don't need somebody else between me. There is nobody else between me and Jesus. Amen. And he is, if I can say it this way without sounding trite, he's my ticket right into the throne room of God. For, so for me to go to you and say, now, listen, I, I know that you know God, so why don't you pray that God will do this? Now, that's fine. That's wonderful. And we should intercede for others. But I don't have to do that because I can go direct. Well, I'll talk to the preacher and have him pray about it. What does he know God better than you do? I mean, he, he doesn't have any more inside track on getting to God than you do. If you're saved, if you don't know Christ, you need to get saved. Amen. But then you can you can go directly to God himself. I don't have to go through him and say, please pray for this and this and this. That's fine. But I should already have done that. And then I can let him know so that he can intercede on my behalf as well. But I don't have to. Because I've already been directly in front of God saying, this is what I need because Jesus Christ is my mediator. And I don't have to have a priest or a rabbi or anybody else. I get to go right to God. What a wonderful, wonderful privilege that is. When, you remember in, uh, <clears throat> in the Old Testament when the prophets of Baal are, are on Mount Carmel with Elijah? 
And they're jumping up and down on the altar and they're screaming and they're cutting themselves and they're crying and they're begging, they're begging Baal to send, send fire. That's how some Christians are sometimes. Well, if I, if I do this and this, then God will listen to me and God will... No, 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 no. Jesus did all the stuff. You just, you just talk to him and boom, there you are. That's all Elijah had to do. He just had to talk to God. Boom, then the fire fell. Amen? These other guys jumping up and down. If you had to jump up and down and cut yourself all day long to get God's attention, you wouldn't do much praying, would you? I mean, who can do that every day? But we don't have to do that. We don't have to go light candles somewhere. We don't have to count beads. We, no, we just talk directly through the Lord Jesus Christ to the ear of God the Father. And he listens. That's the amazing thing. We see then the exhortation to pray is repeated again. Look, if you would, down here in verse number eight. I will, therefore, that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Isn't that something? He repeats it again, what he already said in verse number one. He already said, I want you to pray and I want you to pray for all men. And you get all the way down there through down to verse number eight. And he just reiterates it one more time and says, now I want you to pray. I will, therefore, that men pray everywhere. How do you pray everywhere? Well, that's one good reason, you know, you don't have to go to some special spot and do some special thing and light a candle. And otherwise, you couldn't pray everywhere. So obviously, that has nothing to do with prayer. It's a whole different thing. So you just pray everywhere. When you drive as much as we do, you pray everywhere. Uh, it's amazing how when, you, when you're over 50 feet long and you're going down the road and these cars think that you can stop as quickly as they can. And so they cut right in front of you and slam on their brakes. <laughs> and it's at that point that you begin to pray. <laughs> you say, Lord, please, please, I don't have time for an accident. Please, God, please. Hope was riding with me one day. We were coming up through Columbus through perpetual construction and coming out the other side. <coughs> we're in the fifth wheel <coughs> and everything's narrowing down to one lane. When it's narrowing down to one lane, don't wait till the last minute and then try to cut in front of everybody who's already in the right lane. When you're 50 some feet long, you don't have that option. You have to pick the lane and stay in the lane and it takes you longer to get moving and longer to stop. And that makes the perfect opportunity for somebody in a smart car to jump in front of you. And they just assume, well, they won't hit me. <laughs> what they don't know is that if you're already moving, you can't stop just like that. Hope was with me. We're coming up. There's a concrete barrier. The lane is coming. And this guy comes zipping right up and pulls in front of us. And there was not even enough room for him to straighten his car out. He just shoved his nose right in front of us. And we were moving. And I slammed on the brakes. And everything is shaking and sliding. And I said to Hope, hold on. And we, I don't know how we did not hit the man. It was the hand of God. And, and we should have hit the man. <laughs> but I didn't have time for that. I didn't have time. He needed to be hit, I'm telling you. Especially with something that large. Because it would have just... But then we would have a chain reaction. and we'd, so. 
But God, I, I know we were that close, and I'm sure that he was very nervous, and I'm glad. Maybe he won't do that again. But that kind of stuff happens all the time. And you know what I don't have to do? I don't have to call somebody and say, would you please pray for me? The traffic is really bad, and I'm afraid I'm going to hit this guy. I can just say, help. God already knows. Amen. <laughs> I could not tell you the number of accidents that we have almost. I mean, they happened. We've watched them happen in front of us, behind us. Next, to, we've watched them happen. And there we are. And it wasn't us. Isn't the Lord good? And sometimes you have time to throw up one of those help prayers. And other times, God is just watching. And he already knows. You know, he already knows what we have need of before we ask. So you might not even have time to throw it out there. And he already knows what you were going to ask if you'd have just thought about it. What a good God. Amen. He says, now, I want you to pray and lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubt. Does that mean I got to have my hands stuck in the air? God won't hear me. No, it's just a phrase used in the Bible. But it's talking about having holy hands. Or, or if you want to think of it this way, when the priests went in to do the sacrifices, they had to they had to wash. Before they went into the presence of God for the people. So their hands were clean and holy, if you will. And God's just saying, come clean. You know, just come clean. Don't, don't do that and then ask me to fix that. You know, don't, don't be dirty and ask me to bless it. Come clean. Without wrath and doubting. Oh, yeah, I heard somebody on the radio talk about that once, that if you just don't doubt that God has to give you what you ask for. You just claim it by faith, and you, you name it, and you claim it, and God has to do it. You give that a shot. Let me know how that worked for you. I mean, it sounds great, but that's not true. It just simply doesn't work that way. And that's not what this is talking about. Without wrath and doubting. Now, what is it that he's been telling us to pray for? He's been telling us to bring our request. He's been telling us to pray for others and talking about how everybody needs to be saved and, and all those kind of things. What am I supposed to not doubt? Well, I have no guarantee that any prayer will be answered exactly the way I asked it. I have no guarantee of that. It's not in Scripture. It's just not there. But I do have a guarantee that what God does is always going to be right and just and true. Amen. And so I don't ever have to doubt that. I can bring my requests, whatever it is, no matter how big. I mean, so big that nobody could help or so small that everybody would laugh at me if they knew what it was. I can bring my request and I can deliver it to God himself. And I can know that whatever he does in regard to my request, it's going to be right. In other words, I can just I can trust him. I can trust him. And that's what we did with Liz's situation. When, when the diagnosis came, it, it did not look good at all. It said uh, irregularities here and this is there and all kinds of stuff. And, and you know, that can, that can either be nothing or it can be extremely serious. And so we didn't know what was going to happen. But we asked that God would be glorified in it. Because we know that he will. And we asked 
that it would be quick and easy and it would just be done. That's what we asked for. But we also tossed in there that if he chose to do it differently than that, we would still trust him. Because how he answers our prayer is not an indicator of who he is. It doesn't tell us that he's either good or bad, depending on what he did for me. He's still just as good if he doesn't give me the thing that I asked for, because he may have some other purpose. And we ask that maybe, maybe in the midst of all of this, it would be one more opportunity for us to be able to witness to lost family. However, it turned out an opportunity to witness to lost family. And God is pleased with that. Amen. Listen, you don't have to doubt. You pray, you ask God, ask for what you want. Ask big. There's nothing too big. But then just don't doubt that whatever he does is going to be right. Because it will be. I promise you it will be. And sometimes we don't understand it. And sometimes it was different than what we thought it should have been. But it's always right. And he's always good. So he says to us, here you have this privilege. You have your own mediator. You, you can go right to God anytime. Now do it. That's what he's saying. Do it. It's not just a privilege. It's a responsibility. We need to do it, not only for ourselves, but for others, for our nation, for our loved ones, for lost folks. Pray. Let's stand together and pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that we could be here this morning. Lord, thank you for this Sunday school time this passage of scripture. God, I pray that we would see it for what it is and we would take the exhortation personally today and determine that we are going to use the wonderful privilege that we have. Not just let it lay aside, not just let it be there and never use it, but God help us to use it. We ask that you bless in the service to come and we thank you for all that you'll do. In Jesus' name, amen. Our heads bowed and our eyes closed just for a moment. Maybe you've not taken that opportunity of prayer. And maybe now is a great time just to, to get on your knees before God. and Say, God, I want to take that opportunity to pray. Maybe you're here this morning and maybe you've never trusted the Lord as your own personal Savior. And you don't have that, that entrance to the throne room of heaven. You can have that by being child of God, by trusting the Lord Jesus Christ as your own personal Savior. You need to do that. That's the first step. As the piano plays, the altar's open. If God's spoken to your heart, take a moment. Do business with God.